Good evening, everybody. This is Bubba's Bodyguard Podcast. I am blessed today to have Matthias Kiwanuka uh, along here with me. Matthias, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Thanks for having me on. Feels good. Yes, sir. Absolutely. It's an absolute honor. Um, can you t- uh, can you touch on uh, a little bit about where you're from and your upbringing and eventually how you get started with playing football? Okay. So, uh, originally, both of my, my parents were born in Uganda. So, my mm-hmm. paternal grandfather was a prime minister. Chief Justice of Uganda. That's a story that a lot of people know and understand. On the other side, my mom's dad was responsible for educating women in the village prior to that even being legal. So mm-hmm. um, that's my my family background. I grew up in uh, on the east side of Indianapolis, Indiana. I played basketball and football, and I thought I was a basketball player until the uh, the offers didn't quite come in. Mm-hmm. And I remember having a conversation with one of my football coaches. He was pulled out all the guys he's like Kobe Bryant um Michael Jordan Reggie Miller he's like you don't play like Kobe you don't shoot like um like Reggie and you're definitely not Michael Jordan is like so why don't you come over here and try to focus on football and I think from that day on I I really made football and <laughs> the way that I got to uh BC I was so I ended up going to Boston College the way yes, that sir. I got there was I have two of my good friends. We were all three supposed to go there. So there's Jeremy Trueblood. He eventually ended up playing for eight for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a little bit for the Redskins, and and then uh, Otis Shannon. Otis was 14th all time in high school rushing yards in the in the nation at wow. that, at that point. So when I say like all you used to do is you know get your block and get up. That's that's what we used to see. This kid, he was all like all state, all everything. He was Indiana Mr. Football when we came and he helped carry the team. The reason that's significant is because mm-hmm. when uh the late Don Horton came out to uh to to look at Otis and then check out the office alignment, he told me, he's like, I came out there to see those two and I just saw this guy, this this little string bean of a of a player just running up and down the field, you know, on every special team and he was hitting people and this and that. And so he asked about me really um, what got me into BC. You know, they came out there to look at, you know, some of my teammates and I was just out there working my tail off. And so he put me on the list. There was, I think he said three players that either had to decommit or um, commit to somewhere else before they even considered me. And it just happened that that worked out. You know, another guy wanted to go to Virginia. Another guy wanted to go somewhere else. And I don't remember what the third one did, but it gave me the shot. So for me, I was I was focused on football, but I was still um, just looking at it as an opportunity to get college paid for. So mm-hmm. I did have some offers. I got offers from IU. They wanted me to Indiana University. They wanted me to go to prep school for a little bit. Um, Indiana State said I could play football and basketball. And then uh, there were a couple other schools. I think close. I was I was waiting for um, Illinois to come through or Purdue to come through with it with an offer. They were pretty good programs back in the day. Mm-hmm. But when Boston College came through with the offer, I said, you know what? This is too good to pass up. I'm going to be in a big market. I'm going to get out of Indianapolis and go to a bigger city, which is something that I always wanted to do. And I'm going to go with um, with two of my teammates. Otis did end up going there, but Jeremy and I ended up going so we played he's and that's significant because I was a defensive end and he was mm-hmm. a he's an offensive tackle so right. imagine growing up with somebody 
and then going to college, and I had to go against this this guy every day, every day. In front right. Of and people were like on our team, they would be like, "How like how do you guys fight every day and then still sit at lunch together and laugh and joke?" And I'm like, "That's that's football, you know? Like, right? You know, I don't like when he puts his hands in my face, and he don't like it when I." You know what I mean? Like when I slap him in the back of the head, and so we got to fight right. it out of the practice field. But once you leave, that's it. And that was always kind of the approach that I took. You know, and I had some some really really great coaches in my time that um, you know replaced a missing father figure and also just helped me figure out the game. Doug Armstrong at Cathedral, Rick Strong at Cathedral High School, um, Coach Matson, and then when I got to college, Tom O'Brien was our head coach and he didn't take any he didn't take any nonsense if you didn't graduate in four years you weren't coming back for your fifth year so the focus was on education and I was grateful the one coach who was most instrumental in me becoming a professional was Keith Willis Keith <laughs> Willis um, I know he was with the Titans recently and um, but he played for the Steelers I think for 12 years something like that and he he's the kind of coach that just he knew D-line play and I remember early on, it was like my sophomore year, we're in a game. At that time, I was just a specialist because I was undersized. I wasn't able to play the four technique and, and to get guys off me, but I could still pass rush. And so mm-hmm. I mean, he gave me a couple things. He was like, listen, on this guy, I want you to take three steps up the field. I want you to come back underneath and you're going to get a sack. And I went out there and I did it and I got a sack. I remember coming back to the sidelines like, what else you got, man? Like, I'm, I'm <laughs> right. in. If you can – if you can analyze a player that well, that quickly, and give me the information, I was in. And after that, that was that was pretty much it. I stayed in his hip pocket. I tried to stay awake during meetings, and um, and I would I would go out there and and, and do the best that I could. And so um, eventually, after my um, my freshman year, I was undersized. I went to school about six six one ninety five. Even though on my mm-hmm. uh, all my questionnaires, I had listed myself about like 225, 230. I got to campus and they were like, what? I was like, hey, you know what? I'm here now. So <laughs> right. it, it is what it is. And um, so I, I worked hard to gain weight, you know, get in the weight room. And one thing that I, I try to tell young kids what I did was between my sophomore year and my senior year, when I ended up going to the, um, uh, the Playball American weekend, I didn't not just did I not miss a lift, but I didn't miss one workout on that sheet. So from sophomore wow. year until my senior year, every lift that was that was on that sheet, if I didn't have time, I would go back after practice and do it. And that was something that that Coach Willis definitely was 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 a part of. And he was he had pulled me aside early on and was like, you know what? He's like, you're a professional player playing in college, and you need to conduct yourself as somebody's watching mm-hmm. you. And and they um they understand that that you are the leader out here and so he believed in me and that's one thing that you know i try to explain to other people it's like every day of your life like all it takes is for one person to believe in you and you can accomplish some some great things and that person can always be you like you can always believe in yourself and, and accomplish good things but when you have a um an accomplished you know role model and figure who believes in you that much it definitely inspires you to do some great things. That was my road um, from grade school, high school, college, and then eventually I was drafted uh, 32nd by the by the Giants, and um, you know got there right before the first Super Bowl and left right after the second one, and life was good. 
Yes, sir. Absolutely. And you touched on uh, some very key things there. Uh, you touched on education and work ethic. Can you t- just uh, re- like go a little deeper with that, how hard you have to work to make it a- to-, to be a professional and uh, not just get there, but to stay there? And then uh, with the education, uh, touch on how pivotal and key that is. So education in my family is always a big thing. My my dad's mm-hmm. dad was educated in London. He's a lawyer. He ran a country for a while. Fascinated. My mom's dad was um, the educator in the village at a time when you know women weren't supposed to be educated. He said, "No, that's BS. Like my daughters are going to be educated the same way as my sons." So, in my in my house, there were no bad grades. Like bad grades meant the world stopped. You weren't playing football. You weren't playing. You weren't playing anything until you got those grades up. And so, that was always something that um, was uh, important in my household. And then the work ethic came from just watching. I, you know, I watched um, after my parents split. I watched my mom work three, four jobs sometimes. Come home in between lunch breaks to to make dinner and go back to work. And and um, I always I always remember like how hard she worked and how much she instilled in us. Like it doesn't matter if one person's working, we're all right. I tell that to my kids now. Like if if somebody's working, we're all working. It don't it doesn't matter right. who it is. You know, you got to make sure that you pull your weight. And so. Um, I think that's where it came from, my upbringing, my parents, my mom specifically, and then running into some of these coaches. Like, I mean, Doug Armstrong didn't take any crap from anybody. Like, he didn't care what was going on in your day-to-day, in your personal life. Like, he was out there to make you a better player. And he ran us into the ground sometimes. But back mm-hmm. on it, and I'm thinking, like, when I got to BC, some of the stuff that these other guys were complaining about, I was like, man, we did this twice a day in high school. Like, he definitely. <laughs> Right. <laughs> he prepared us to get to that next level. And that's what it takes right there is you got to understand, like, every level that you make it up, it's like playing in an all-star game at the last level. You know what I mean? So grade school to high school is a big jump. High school to um, uh, to college is a huge jump. And then college, well, that's, the, that's the biggest jump you can take, you know. And, and mm-hmm. you can even watch this preseason is different than the regular season. And then – uh, playoffs is completely different than that too, because these are these are grown men with jobs on the lines, and you know, right. if you're trying to make it, one of the um, best things I could say is like spend some time every day. I don't care if it's one hour or if it's four hours. Spend some time every day working on your craft. Now, if that means if you're going to work out every day, that doesn't count. You know, you need to work out anyway. I keep your body in shape, but spend some time reading about the game of football. Watch some videos. Watch some tape. Watch tape for yourself. Work on your hands. And um, that's the, that's really the only way. Like I was, I was that guy in in college who, you know, like if you if you're going, that's great. But make sure your butt gets back there at six o'clock in the morning. You're in the steam room. You're in the sauna, and you're out working everybody. Nothing else should ever stand in your way. You shouldn't be tired or or any of that kind of stuff when it when it comes to practice time. Now I know that you're gonna be tired, but you you have to perform as though um, this is important to you, and that's. That was um, <clears throat> those were those were some of the, like the most important keys for me. Like education was always a big one, and I found my way to BC where you know we had Tom O'Brien as a coach. And like I said, if you don't graduate in four years, come back for your fifth year, you know, and your grades need to be whatever. He benched uh, Will Green for academics. Will mm-hmm. Green was our first round. I can't remember. I think he was top five pick as a running back wow. when we played against Miami. Than that like this is bc playing against the university of miami in their heyday this is back when they, 
mm-hmm. second string defensive lineman were still going in the first round. And he set he set wow. him down because it was more about, you know, his his um, ethics and he was trying to, you know, send a message to everybody. It doesn't can be a top five pick and if you don't you don't do the right things, like you're gonna be set down. Now that's that's not a negative story about Will Green. He had a lot of stuff going on and he, mm-hmm. he's a he's a great dude, but um, you know, that just shows you like how important education fortunate along the way to have instrumental people who are who are focused on education and then as far as like working hard i just i've always been that guy you know like i've like it's not you know they say about uh confidence bordering on i never felt like there was anybody that was better than me like by the time i got to like my my junior year in college i just felt like all right if we're gonna come in we're gonna do a five ten five i'm eating the dbs i don't i don't care who it is you can call somebody out i'm like all right like come let's let's bring a wide TV out here. I didn't lose one until until this little kid named Will Blackman showed up on campus. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, if you guys don't know him, look him up. He's the NFL line guy right now, and we actually do some work together. But this, that's uh-huh. that's probably the best athlete, um, pure athlete that I ever played with, and he was one of the first people, the only people by the time I got older who would beat me in the five ten five. But that was that was just the mentality. My mentality was I I'm. I might not be the best right now, but I can outwork everybody and I can get to that level. And that, that, that drive and then having people who believed in me is, is what got me there. And that's what a lot of people say. That's the same story you hear for every, in every locker room in the NFL. Like those are the stories you hear. Not a lot of people just make it on their talent alone. Like maybe there's a couple, maybe a couple guys freak athletes and, and could do whatever they want. But for the majority of it, it's like, you know, there's some, there's some situations you had to get yourself out of and you take that opportunity, put all that anger, aggression and effort into football, come early, stay late, study harder than everybody else. And great things can happen. I mean, there's a, there's a big payoff at the end of that rainbow. Absolutely. And uh, can you, can you touch on, uh, you know, getting drafted 32nd overall, uh, what that meant to you and uh, you know, just describe that feeling. It's um it's it's really hard to explain um there's a couple of feelings that come into into my mind and it's one it's like putting all your life's work out there putting all your your life's work out there and being judged by the public i mean it's not easy Mm -hmm. but when you reach a level of success and you're being recognized for it it's like wow like all those parties that I skipped and all those mornings where I woke up extra early and, and all this and that, like those things, um, they, they paid off. And so it was a culmination of, of it was emotional because it was just like, yo, I worked my butt off for this and I'm finally, you know, making it to the next level and I'm being recognized and it's something that could change the whole trajectory of your life. And I understood it back then. Now, you know, whether or not I was first, second or 32nd, um, you know, I still, I snuck into that first round, but um, I remember sitting there, it was like five hours and 45 minutes. I'll never forget it. Um, between the beginning of the, uh, the draft until where I got picked. And I remember, um, I want to say Miami was on the board and I was at that point, like everybody knew I was getting drafted and I got a phone call. Mm-hmm. From Miami <clears throat> so I was like, Oh, this might be it. I'm going to Miami. And it was one of my old teammates, Myron Hunter just had a, um, a Miami number. And I remember being like, Oh man, like, like that was, <laughs> that was crazy. Um, but then, you know, I got the call from, uh, coach Coughlin he said, you know, we're on the board, we're going to take you with the next pick. And it was just like, you know, it's one of those moments where time stands still a little bit. And he even says, he's like, 
Um, yeah, like Waff called me, the D-line coach called me and told me to hold on, mm-hmm. you know, and, and talk to coach. And I guess I had hung up the phone. I was like, I didn't hang up the phone. Like, my phone started buzzing so much that it turned itself off. I couldn't <laughs> right. But it was, it, that was a really, really happy day. I was with my family and, you know, like they'd seen all the work and every, all the effort and stuff that I put in. So that was good. And the other, the other part of that comes with just being out there on mm-hmm. the field. Like, I wish, like, even in my college experience, I wish everybody could have that experience of like working your butt off, you know, and um, putting all your effort into it. Like as a defensive end, you're watching one guy, maybe two if you play both sides, mm-hmm. but like you're watching one guy all week long in practice and you're just trying to beat him. And when you finally come around that corner, you put your hands in the right place, your foot's in the right place, you knock him over with your inside hand and it's just a quarterback standing there looking the other way. It's like, there's, there's, no, there's no better feeling then using the move you worked on all week in practice, having it work, and the quarterback standing there patting the ball <laughs> one, one right. too many times. Like, you had one pat, you patted it two or three, and that's it. And then, you know, if you're home, you'll see, you'll hear the crowd, like, stand up and cheer. And it's like, it's a, it's a feeling like, you know, it's, there's, there's nothing out there like it. And so I wish, like, everybody could have that, um, that experience of just working, grinding, working, and then being recognized all in one moment because it, it'll it'll motivate you to go back. Now, now you're addicted to sex. Now it's like whatever I got to do to get a sex to do, and that's um, those are those were the fun parts. You know, the hard parts are you know doing the ladder drills or doing the hand drills or going to the doctor to get MRIs and all this kind of stuff. But but when you come around that corner and there's nobody between you and the quarterback, it all it all seems worth it. Right, absolutely. And, uh, you know, not many people, uh, you know, get the opportunity and privilege to, to get one Super Bowl ring, and, and you were blessed to, to um, earn two. You know, t- touch on that, the, the Super Bowl experience and, and what it means to you to be a Super Bowl champion. Um, so that's difficult. For me, um, the mm-hmm. first Super Bowl we won, I, I started 10 games at linebacker. I came in as a rookie at defensive end. We had Strahan, Justin Tuck, OCU Minora. Um, I'm blanking on some other names, but we had we were stacked at defensive end. Yes. And um, so they came to me. It was my decision. They asked me like, "Hey, we want to move you to the linebacker." And I said, "All right, you know, whatever it takes. Get me on the field, mm-hmm. and let's do what's best for the team." So I was playing out of my position, but I was happy to be out there on the field. And I started ten games. I went down with a uh, fractured ankle, so I wasn't actually me mm-hmm. uh, or myself, Jeremy Shockey. A couple other guys were were on the sidelines, and um, and it, it was tough. It was emotional to watch, you know, all that success. But I we knew we had had we had played a significant role in it, but it was just just what. Mm-hmm. So the second time I remember being on the way there, and there weren't a whole lot of guys who had been um, in the Super Bowl the first time. I think Diasi, Eli, um, a couple of other a handful of other people were actually there for the first one. And, um, and I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that we actually had an opportunity. And we're playing in Indianapolis where I was born and raised. So it was, you know, towards the later end of my career. But I was still just happy to to be there, experience it, enjoy it. And I remember some guys saying, like, listen, like, I've been on some teams. And there was one guy in particular who stood up. And he's like, I've played in the league for 13 years. And I've never even been to the playoffs. And I was like, damn. Like, Wow. you know what I mean like you 
right, right. realize how difficult it is to just to make it there and then to be successful at it. You know, at the end of that game, when you've actually played your butt off and you worked, you know, for an entire, you know, career and now a year and you get there, it never gets sold. I don't care. I know the Patriots have won a whole lot, but I can guarantee you those guys out there on the field, when they win their last one or their next one, like, They'll they'll still appreciate it just as much because you're talking about being the best of the best. Now these are these are guys who their entire career they're trying to get to this game, and uh, when you come out with a win there, it's like it'll bond you with those with those teammates forever. And you know I got the the silly group chats to prove it. You know we still reminisce about mm-hmm. the games, and everybody's moved on to better career, not better, but like to second careers and everything like that. We still, yes. We still sit around and talk and I tell people, you know, the, old, the older I get, the better I was. So, you know what I mean? If you want to sit down and hear some stories, I can tell you some. Absolutely. And, uh, to, you know, obviously throughout uh, high school, college, the NFL journey, uh, you know, throughout your extensive career in the NFL, you learned a lot. But if there was one thing uh, that you hold dearest in your mind, what is the thing that you learned the most? And, I, and obviously, like I said, you, you learned so much wisdom and knowledge. Uh, you know, what, what is one thing that you hold dearest to your mind every day that you learn the most throughout your journey? I would say that it's uh, every day of your life, somebody's going to tell you you can't do something. They're going to tell you you're too small. They're going to tell you you're too slow. They're going to tell you you're too old. They're going to tell you they might even tell you you're too smart. Um, but all it takes is person to believe in you and you can accomplish your goal and every day of your life that person can be you so if you believe in yourself if you surround yourself with the right people if you work hard enough you can accomplish your dreams and and i really believe that i remember you know sitting in the gym i used to play basketball just to get my mind off of stress and i remember sitting in the gym multiple times at bc just shooting around after a practice and thinking to myself like you know like how is how is it going to play out? And by the, by the time I shot my last shot, I'd always just be like, you know what? It doesn't matter. Today's a good day. Tomorrow's going to be a better day. It doesn't matter what happened today. Tomorrow i got another opportunity. So just believe in yourself, man. Believe in yourself wholeheartedly, and other people will believe in you. And, you know, if you're fortunate enough to have people in your life who, who can show you that belief and show you how good you are, that's great. But if not, believe in yourself, man, and set a goal and go accomplish it. Absolutely. And uh, we'll get off topic just for a moment here, Matthias, and then we'll get back into things. Recently, I was named an ambassador for Bodyguards Against Bullying. What is your message across this platform uh, for the fight against bullying? I think um, that's that's something that is um, it's, imp- it's important for us to talk about. Now, it's important for us for mm-hmm. reasons. One, you know, everybody experiences some level of it and a lot of people are too shy or too ashamed especially at the football you know in a football area you know i mean you don't want to talk about it there's hazing there's this and that but when it goes too far it's it's something that that takes away from the development of a child and of an individual and a lot of times people don't even realize that they are being bullies they might think that they're just going along with the show going along with the crowd but it's having a severe effect on on the trajectory, like that kid's life is being bullied, and so I I appreciate it. I'm I'm happy for you. I'm glad that that's what your mission is, and that's what you're doing because there's a lot of people out there who, the same way having somebody who believes in you can have a positive effect, having somebody bullying you can have a negative effect, and it needs to be discussed, and it needs to, the stigma about being bullied needs to be taken away, especially for young men. 
um, so that everybody can have that same opportunity. So I think having that discussion, talking about it, putting it out there, and you know, removing that stigma are probably uh, the most important thing. Absolutely, and I appreciate your message on that and, and your support on that, uh, you know, serious topic. We'll get back into things here, Matthias. Um, I've seen in, in, you know, following you through Instagram that you're the co-founder of Wondering Wines. Touch, touch on that a little bit and how that came about. Yeah, so I've always been in the wines. Since my days at BC, the, uh, the basketball and the soft girl, softball girls live next to us, and they used to have wine night on Wednesdays. And in the beginning, it was just like, you know, it was just, it was what it was. It was fun. We're hanging out. We're partying. But then when I graduated from school, you know, I still kept that, that love and that passion. Like, you know, instead of going out and drinking beer or, you know, drinking Patron, I'd rather like sit around, have a glass or two of wine and have like a nice conversation with people. And so my buddy and, um, and our, and our family just Napa and just sit up there, you know, there's a winery called Outpost and it takes you you know, 30, 45 minutes to get all the way up the hill. And then you get out there, you get a little blanket and you're looking at the entire valley. And it's just, it's a, um, it's an experience. So it's more than just like drinking wine and, and, and having a good time. It's like really sharing and enjoying the experience. So my partner's um, uh, family has 36,000 hectares of grapes in Chile. And so we decided to import and distribute our wine. Um, we ended up creating a company called Wandering Wines. And the whole premise is that we continue to wander around the, the world and have great discussions and communication with winemakers who love what they do. And I think part of that has a lot to do with my, my football and my sports experience. Because when you sit with somebody who is passionate, who is knowledgeable, and who really loves what they do, it's like, it's one of those things. Like, there's, there's few few careers where people are really passionate about it now like sports obviously if you want to talk to a, a former athlete or um chefs mm -hmm. chefs are big ones but winemakers are i mean they're technical they're methodical and i love i always say like, i love having conversations with somebody who really knows their craft and they talk for like 30 minutes mm -hmm. and then they look back and they're like oh sorry for talking so long i'm like nah don't be sorry like this is better than sitting in it like it, it's great to get that right. experience and then you put it together with a glass of wine. And so that's how the, um, the company came about. So now we have about 22 different offerings in the portfolio. There's four brands, Wandering Wines, Peaks and Valleys, which houses the organics, Lost Fine, and then Keen, which has our, um, our rosés and, and our sparkling. And we did um, a commissioner's wine select because we also do tables. So we did Roger Goodell's wine for the Super Bowl this past year. And, and we're at the wow. and it's it's been good. It's been a uh, project since I retired six years. I don't know how many years it's been, but it's been a learning experience. And mm -hmm. I was fortunate enough to partner with some people who understood business and, and how it works. And so I got a lot of education, a lot of, of education on how to run a business and, and all that for my partners, which I'll, I'll always be grateful for. But like we didn't just dump a bunch of money into this and let people run it in the beginning we didn't even have a delivery truck i was putting cases of wine in the back of my range rover and driving them all up and down 95 because we were trying to keep the books um you know as as lean as we, as lean as we could you know to show that growth every year and right it's important is showing that growth from year to year so whatever it took yeah, I, I humbled myself and went back you know like i would still you know, still go on a vacation and then come back and put wine in the back of my car with a valley, take it out and deliver it to a nice restaurant, whatever it was. And 
And so when I tell people, I touched every bottle three times before it, before it got to where it was going. And I understand the workings of the business. So yeah, there's still parts of it that I'm learning and I'll forever be learning, but um, that's, that's, that's what I enjoy. Like I enjoy building something and working towards a goal and, and accomplishing it. And we've done some great things and we're looking at getting distribution to the Northeast. So hopefully after this coronavirus is, is gone, we'll get back to business and, you know, it'll be more visible in, in, um, in New York, New Jersey, Boston, and then Midwest and Indiana. So, um, it's been it's been a another passion of mine, a career that I was able to to build from the ground up, and I'm looking forward to growing it and sharing it with the world. Yeah, absolutely, and if anyone is uh, interested in, in learning more about that, that's wonderingwines.com. W a n d e r i n g w i n e s dot com. Uh, you know, and again, you know, I just uh, as we get ready to conclude here, I'm I'm so thankful, uh, you know, to have a conversation and and to bring you on on the podcast. Uh, you know, not just a giant legend, but you know, an NFL legend. Uh, you know, one of the greatest defend defenders uh, on, on the line and, and linebacker position to to ever play the game, uh, and a two time Super Bowl champion. If there's anything uh, that we didn't get to touch on, Matthias, in this moment, or any last words of encouragement, uh, I'll pass things over to you, and you can. Uh, you know, you use this podcast or platform as yeah, you like. Yeah, no, we touched on a lot of different things, and it was, it was good. I'd like to come back on and just we could just have casual conversations and talk. Don't always have to be so serious, but the only thing I would like to say is, like I said, just believe in yourself. It doesn't matter what your goal is; you can set a goal and you can accomplish it. And um, always believe in yourself. No one else will if you don't, and that's where it starts, man. Just just find your goal, set your goals, set your um, your achievement levels, and go do it. Absolutely. I appreciate everything and, and all of your uh, knowledge and insight and, uh, you know, you're just your, your professionalism. So uh, I look forward to having you on here again and, uh, you know, you be safe during this time and stay Thank healthy. You. OK. All right. Thank you so much. Take care.